Kora from your Every Nation Southside family here in Papatoitoi, Auckland. You are now listening to a podcast from our church service and we pray that you will be blessed by it. For more information, please visit our Facebook page or feel free to contact our church office. This is our sermon series. It's, it's, um, this is a, a two-week ser- sermon uh, series that we've had. Uh, started last week. And it's special to me because it focuses on how we honor God and how we honor each other as representatives of God through our acts of service. And so every year, right, myself and Rowena, for those who don't know, I've, we've been pastoring this church for, you know, a little over five years now. And since pastoring Every Nation Southside, every year since we started as the senior pastors, without a doubt, we are so humbled just by everyone that serves every year. It's, I mean, you've got to think about it, okay? I don't know how, if you think about this on your side of the fence, but on this side of the fence as a senior pastor, I'm thinking, I can't hire or fire anyone. I don't pay anyone. <laughs> they, the people in the church, they, they devote, devote themselves by, by honoring God, by putting finances into a, into a system and into a, into a, I don't know if you want to call it a product, I'm sounding like I'm selling something here, into something that they believe in. And so we utilize that money to, to honor God to the best of our ability here in this church. And that's why we don't take it lightly because every Sunday, I always wonder, man, are people going to turn up this Sunday? Is it just going to be me and my wife and the kids? If so, we're going to praise the Lord anyway. And so I'm so grateful that you would come and you would serve every year. And all those that serve every month in the church on a Sunday, myself and my wife, man, our hearts are grateful. And so, you know, I want to honor you today. Um, you saw the video and we had our, you know, we, we've got a total of about, I think, 67 um, people in the church that serve uh, throughout this whole year, this past year. And I, you know, pray and hope that it will grow. Not to try and build a mega church. I'm not about that. I think a lot of you know that I'm not about that. It's to build a community of people that love God. So then from here, you're able to fellowship together and be able to filter your life outside of here to represent God. And so, all those, you know, and so I want to honor you today because I want to honor this church community. And if you learn to understand this, you, you learn to understand the depth of being a follower of Jesus, right? Then you would understand that there should be, and, and automatically, hopefully, there is a desire about honoring him. And as you, uh, as a follower of Christ, we honor him because of what he did for us. I mean, he saved us. That then makes God the most worthy of all honor. So last week, the focus was on, you know, on what scripture teaches us how to honor God. And if you missed last week or you, were, you weren't, you know, maybe you need to do a recap on it. I mean, I'll jump on the podcast, jump on the Facebook page. It, um, you know, the sermon is loaded up there for you to have a listen to. So I don't want you to miss out on what God may say to you. And today I believe this sermon, is, it's a simple one. It's a simple sermon, yet it is one that is difficult for majority of us to do at times. Because we probably hear it all the time. And the focus today is honoring people 
by serving one another. And I came across, I came across this, non, uh, this non-Christian article, right? And it, it gives these seven big reasons why serving others, um, it serves us and benefits your personal life. Here are the seven reasons when you serve others, right? Number one, there's more happiness in your life. Uh, number two, it reduces stress. Number three, there's relief from pain. Number four, there's, there's a longer lifespan. Number five, there's lower blood pressure. It depends on what you eat. Number six, it reduces mild depression. I think we heard some testimony from that review, Blair, this morning. Number seven, and it benefits your career. And so when I think of these seven reasons, right, and I can honestly bear witness to most of them or probably all of them because personally, I feel those things when I serve. The majority of my serving it was learned and it was taught in the church environment, and that is where I started to serve others. And the church was my opportunity to learning how to serve others outside of myself and my own personal gains. Now, on the flip side of all this, right, I've seen so many people burn out serving in the church as well. And I always wonder, right, because I'm not a holy person or I'm not trying to be holy here. I just wonder and I think to myself how, one per, how a person can get to that place of getting tired of serving in the church or in the community or for others. And I know there are a lot of reasons people would stop serving. And I want to share with you today from Scripture, and hopefully it will give a meaningful purpose to a healthy person who serves, okay? And so you become, and I hope you become challenged and, and at the same time excited to be a people who will serve outside of our own personal gains. Is that cool? And so let's start with this Scripture. It's Acts chapter 4. starts at verse 32, and this is what it reads. All the believers were one in heart, and one in mind, and no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles, the disciples, continued to testify about Jesus and the resurrection, and his resurrection, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold their land or their houses. And they brought the money from the sales and they put it at the, the disciples' feet and it was distri- uh, distributed to anyone who was in need. And so Joseph, this Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas later on, and Barnabas, which means the son of encouragement, well, Joseph sold a field he owned and he brought the money and he put it at the apostles' feet. This is my first thing I just want to share here. This guy, Joseph, right, he's an amazing example of an ideal believer of Jesus. He is mentioned for the very first time here as this major character in the book of Acts. And so Joseph, he sells a piece of land that he owns, and it's, I mean, it's a bit of real estate, I guess, yet he gives the money away. No strings attached, all for someone else's gain. 
The gain was to impact people's lives with Jesus. That was his purpose for selling his land. Wow. Now, there's a, a church here in the great south of Auckland here. <laughs> Come on, man. I would love to receive a gift like that <laughs> with no strings attached, right? All for the sake of doing God's business here in the community. I mean, wouldn't that be an amazing thing? The honest truth, ladies and gentlemen, that's something that we're believing in here. That's something that I've been believing for and, and have been for quite some time now. You know, our first year as pastors, myself and Rowena, were, we headed off to the Philippines uh, for three months. And isn't it funny, those three months, some of you will probably remember back then, those three months, while we were over there in the Philippines, the rest of y'all, all of you, you took care of this place. You took care of the church. You took care of the community. And you held down the fort here while we were gone for those three months. And we had, you know, I mean, I remember you guys had this preaching roster, and I think many of our leaders just, you know, took it, took it to this pulpit, and, and, and you, you all had turns preaching. Now, think about that when you guys were preaching. You must have been nervous as anything. <laughs> and the church just ran as it would without the pastors. And let's be honest, it wasn't the easiest thing to do, nor was it the best way to do things in our leadership planning. But it was only possible, why? Because people were here and they were willing to come together, and they were willing to step up and serve in a capacity like never before. Talk about every nation south side being a servant giver. <laughs> That's you. Well, anyway, while we were in the Philippines, right, we received this prophetic word. If you're not sure about prophecies and things, someone spoke into our life, and you know they were they were encouraging us with this word. And it was some of our amazing leaders there. And the wife looked at us and she looked at me and she said, have you been thinking about a building? This was like five, oh gosh, five six, six or so years ago. And she didn't know me <laughs> at all. But that's what she asked. But I tell you, she was bang on point. To this day, and I share this today. No one knew my dream was to have our own building. And it was way too early to share with people. It may even be way too early to share today. And not even to, you know, I mean, at the time I hadn't shared it with my wife because it was a crazy kind of dream, right? And we had just become pastors of this church, but it wasn't official until we got back. You know, after our three months, we got back and we got prayed in as pastors. And part of the prophecy was we would one day have our own building. Don't stress because it's coming. Don't worry about finances. The building will come. That's what they prayed over us. That's what they said to us. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, my gosh, what have I gotten myself into? This is crazy. And two years later, right? I get another prophecy. We get another prophecy from one of our key leaders. This time he's from Singapore. And about the same thing. He prophesies the same thing to us. One day your church will have your own building. Don't stress because it's coming. Don't worry about finance. That building will come. 
I'm going, oh man, Lord, <laughs> I don't know. And here we are, yeah, like almost five years later. And if you remember, for some of you that have been here, you know, the last couple of months, we had the sermon series just before this one that we've been preaching on today. And the sermon series was called Manifest. And the focus was to share, you know, a little bit about the vision and the direction and the purpose of what we are called to do as an every nation south side here in the great South Auckland and beyond. And so we, we shared a snippet. Well, after finishing that sermon series last month, now you've got to remember, I never shared about a building. But after finishing the sermon series last month, Rowena and I, we receive another word from one of our pastors, this time from America, and, and whom we, we just fully trust and we fully love, um, Pastor, Pastor John, Pastor John Rohr. And it was just a short sentence that he prophesied over us um, a couple of weeks ago. Let me read you what he said, okay? This is what he says now. Thus says the Lord, now this is us to a ch as a church. Thus says the Lord, you were born for such a time as this. You have been legitimized in this land. And thus says the Lord, you're going to begin to explode. You're going to explode with faith and with vision. And I have a place set aside for you, and you will take a back seat to no one. For my hand is upon you. And you are going to step in to a new authority. You are going to command the people, and they are going to respond. That was a church prophecy. That wasn't just to me. Remember, we do things together. <laughs> that was for us. Now, this word was given, like, the week, you know, not too long ago. I said we had finished the Manifest Sermon Series. I mean, coincidence? Was it by chance? Was it a fluke? That Pastor John, you know, may have known our staff and our eldership had been thinking about one day having our own community building? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think many of you know that this is something that we have been, you know, it's been on our hearts. Well, now you know. The cat's out of the bag. I don't know if that's a saying. But I share this not to scare you, okay? I share this to say that the timing of this is supposed to be for the season of our church. Why? Because many of you here know how to be servant givers for the unchurched who are looking for a place to call home. And I believe as a church, we got the right attitude. We got the right mindset. We now have a starting to build a culture about reaching people that don't want to be in this place. So coming back to the story in Acts, right? When we read the short part of the story, and it was a time of great expectation, even for them from the beginning. It was an early church. This was the beginning of the church ever to start. And God was working. People were responding to the gospel of Jesus. There were more and more were beginning to follow this new radical Jesus sort of movement and belief. And even through this new gospel of Jesus, it was being spread right? There was still a great need because the disciples then, they had no idea. They had no idea how they were going to sustain this new belief they now had. This Jesus movement. They were probably, you know, at the time they were probably wondering how this thing that at the time they began to call church, they were wondering, 
you know, which Jesus said that he would come and establish. They're wondering how would that even get off the ground? And as the disciples are, are wondering what to do next, along came, uh, along came Joseph, Barnabas, you know, and with a wad of cash, he just, boom, drops it at their feet. Not only has Joseph now helped establish the beginning stages of the church because of his actions, but he's established a type of encouraging spirit for the entire community by selflessly selling what he owned and giving the money to the church. Now, don't get nervous now. I'm not trying to tell you, sell your house, <laughs> sell your car, okay? Please, get rid of that attitude. I'm not trying to say that. I'm not trying to manipulate you to sell your possessions. You know, um, so when we read the story, this church had a mission to reach people and to care for the poor. And the actions of Joseph giving his belongings helped for this incredible impact for them to do so. And they never called him Joseph again. His new name, as we read, became Barnabas. He was now known as the great encourager, the one whom, you know, who brought hope, who brought confidence and courage to everyone there. It was his faithful gift, right, that ensured the survival for the early church and where we are today. What he did that was life-changing to the entire community. And from that point, he was known for what he did. So, you know, so many people were impacted by it. That was the impact was of following Jesus and the power of being a servant giver. Now, let me bring you to another part of this book of Acts. There's a few chapters later on in chapters, uh, Acts chapter 11, right? And by this time, the news of Jesus and his resurrection from the dead had spread even more. And people were becoming followers of Christ, left, right, and center, in, in places where there was no church at all. And one of those places was a city called um, Antioch. Now, this place, the, uh, the established church back in Jerusalem, right, they heard about this large number of people in Antioch becoming these crazy Jesus followers. And God was doing you know, miraculous things there in Antioch. And so with the great Jesus movement spreading, the leaders, you know, the people, sorry, the people of Antioch, they needed people to serve and to commit their lives to come and help them there. Antioch was now becoming a movement for Jesus, but without a leader. So what did the leaders do in Jerusalem? Well, Let's read it here in Acts chapter 11, verse 22. It says, news about Antioch reached the church in Jerusalem. So what did they do? They sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when Barnabas arrived and they saw what the grace of God had done, he was so glad, he was so encouraged by them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. And Barnabas, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord then Barnabas, he went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found Saul, he brought Saul to Antioch. And hear me, hear me here. So for a whole year, 
Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. And the disciples were now called Christians for the first time in Antioch. So this is a part of scripture, right? I want us to, to take note of because as we read it, I mean, it seems straightforward. But let me take us a little deeper in some basic thought here. We read there was a need, you know, to encourage this new group of believers in Antioch. So they send Barnabas to help. He takes on the challenge. He throws himself into, you know, for this whole season, new season of his life. He jumps to the opportunity, you know, he, and then when he gets there, he teaches and he mentors, he, he leads and he invests time, he serves in any way possible, and we learn that he spends a whole year of doing, you know, life there. I mean, why? Why would he do this? If you ask me, Barnabas, he had experienced and he knew firsthand what serving through giving his time to others could do. It changed his life, and it changed the life of others that were around him. When the opportunity came to do more, the choice was obvious. He knew serving gave purpose to his life. And he knew being a servant would enable him to make a difference he could possibly make he knew the church was the hope of the world and, and, you know, and serving it for him was everything. He took his skills and his leadership abilities and he poured them into the local community of faith at that time. So why? So that the kingdom of God could expand here on earth. And because he found his purpose, right, in serving this way, I believe he got to experience those like I said before, those seven big reasons why serving others helps one's life. I mean, I believe it brought him more happiness. I believe it reduced his stress because it gave him strength. Relief from pain, longer lifespan, lowered blood pressure. I mean, you would think it would bring high blood pressure, right? So much stress trying to do a job like that. But I believe when you do things God's way, serving others benefits your health. You know, it re reduced his depression. It benefited his career. I mean, his name was the one recommended to be the one to lead in Antioch because of who he was. Do you think it was worth it? Did it pay off? Did it add to his life purpose? Of course it did. I just want to make that clear. The impact of his service time was, I mean, it was significant. The non-believers who lived in, you know, there were these non-believers now that were seeing all these things happening in Antioch. They begin seeing these Jesus followers, and they're thinking, man, these followers of Jesus are radical. So you know what they start calling them? They call them, they start calling these followers of Jesus in Antioch little Christs. In other words, they were Christians. The term Christians had never been used before until this point of history in Antioch. In Barnabas' time of investment to serve, people's lives were being transformed into the very likeness of Christ. So people called them Christians or little, little Christs. And that term has stuck around even to today. Christians. It was because Barnabas chose to be a servant and serve his time 
just like Jesus. So what does it mean to have a life of impact? What does it mean to, for a life to make a difference that could, man, that could leave a legacy for all eternity? What gives your life strength, energy, power? What made the life of Jesus so radical? Well, let me take you back to the story where Jesus revealed what made his life so radically different. And Jesus, he handpicks 12 men, right, to journey with him. We know them as the disciples, to journey with him for the next three years of his ministry life. And he mentions and uh, he, sorry, he mentors and he prepares them for the, the unleashing of his river, revolution on the earth through the building of his church. Little Christs, Christians. <laughs> and it was an adrenaline rush because Jesus spoke before thousands of people and worked miracles and many people began to follow him. But these 12 guys, you know, as much as everyone was following him, these 12 guys were like the inner circle with Jesus. So one day the disciples, they start arguing amongst each other, right? This one time. And they're arguing with each other um, about who was going to be the greatest out of them. You know, who was going to be the biggest, the best, the most well-known. Who will go to the further, you know, furthest place to, to, you know, to honor God and, and do, do that work. Who will be the most successful? Who will be the most that will create impact for this life? And so they're arguing with each other, and Jesus on the side, he can hear them arguing. <laughs> and so this is what he says in Mark chapter 9, and Jesus says this. When Jesus was in the house, he could, he could hear, and he asked the disciples, what were you arguing about on the road while we were walking? But they kept quiet because on the way, they had argued about who was the greatest. And sitting down, Jesus called the 12 disciples, and he said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and servant of all. And then, you know, you read the next chapter in Mark chapter 10, where again, the disciples, they're arguing about who is going to be the greatest of them all. And, and once again, Jesus, he says to them, you know, in chapter 10, uh, he got up, Jesus got, to, got them together to settle things down because they were arguing about who's going to be the best. And he says this to them, he goes, you know, You've observed how godly, godless rulers throw their weight around? And when people get a little powerful, or they have a little power, how quickly it gets to their heads? It's not going to be that with you, though. He was, I don't think he was gentle about it. He's going, the world try to fight, you know, to, to become famous for themselves. You are not going to be like that. Whoever wants to be great must become a servant. Whoever wants to be the first among you must be your slave. That is what the Son of Man has done. He came to serve, not to be served. Man, the key to the most impactful life we could ever live is a life of servanthood. And in the way Jesus would do this is what? By being last? <laughs> being a slave to others? God wants our lives to be marked by servanthood, right? And God wants us to give our lives away. And do you believe that? Do you believe moving up 
requires you to move down. <laughs> Let me read you this snippet from a pastor. This is what it says. Think about how we use the word down. When the economy is down, we have what we call a down market. If somebody messes up, it's called a downfall. If a team is on a losing streak, we say there's a downslide. If a neighborhood is losing value, we say it's going downhill. If you get to let go, uh, if you get let go from your job, it's called downsizing. When you aren't doing great in life, you're down and out. And when you die, where do you go? You go down under. And Jesus is saying that down is somehow up. Down is good and down is best. And we're supposed to get down with that. Come on. Yes, we are. <laughs> you know, servanthood marked the life of the person who split history in half, Jesus. His life still, I mean, through every culture and every civilization, it's affected. He did it not by coming to be served, but to serve and to give life away. That's what gave his life impact. Yet for most people, everyone out there, not in this place, that's a foreign concept. It's like an entire, entirely new kind of language, right? A radically different kind of culture, a whole new set of values. That world doesn't, you know, the world doesn't teach us to serve. Half the time, many of us do not want to serve because we want to be served. And our goals are opposite of Jesus' goals. But you know what that means? It means our lives are opposite of Jesus in terms of influence and impact. And so why do we trade a life of influence and impact for a life of, you know, selfishness? Why is it that we will do anything but give of our resources and of our time, anything but selflessly serve even when it costs us the life that you and I long for? <laughs> well, two main reasons. First, you and I, we don't think serving will give us the life we long for. That's the first reason. We're afraid that if, if we were to give, we're going to lose out. When it comes to serving like Barnabas did, you know, whether it's giving money or investing our time, you know, we think it will cost us more than we will gain. We believe first is first, last is last. <laughs> more is more, less is less. There's no positive outcome to serving. But that's not true. This is why Jesus went over this over and over time and time again, telling his disciples. And Jesus, he introduced a whole new way of thinking about serving. And it was a kingdom of God mindset when he taught on serving. Was Jesus saying there wouldn't be sacrifice involved? No. Was he saying you wouldn't sacrifice money or time? No. Was he saying serving is easy? No. But what he was saying was serving is worth it. What will come about in your life as a result 
is a hundred times more than whatever you were doing before. You know, but people, they don't believe what I just said, so what do they, what do, they do? They choose not to serve. Let me tell you, this is why their lives don't have impact. Ouch. Yet Barnabas, he caught the revelation when he became a follower of Christ. And we read it. We already read it in Acts chapter 11. It says Barnabas, he was a good man, full of faith, with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. He trusted in the Holy Spirit. And when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you and I know that when you, be, you, know, you begin to do things that are not of you but are of God, and reason two why people don't follow Jesus into a life of service, well, it's this. They don't see their lives, they don't see this world the way that they should. They don't get the big picture. They don't see the real purpose of their lives. They miss what matters most. My brother, my sister, you will never give yourself to something bigger than yourself if you only see yourself. If it's about you, it's only going, only going to go so far. And you will certainly never live the life of Jesus lived if you don't see what's going on in this world. But those who have Christ's life of impact, man, I know you see it. I see it. I've seen it in my life. We all want this life that makes a difference. We all want a life of significance, and, and it comes one way, you know, it's this, that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life away. <laughs> Man, that's the challenge for all of us. What will you do with your life? And one important part in life, it's serving others. And Christ is a great place starting, oh sorry, the church. The church is a great place to start doing that. That's the honest truth. Are we needing more people to serve? Yeah. But that's not the main point. The main point is the challenge is your heart of where you are at. Whether you're willing to serve or not. Because we already read that it impacts something it filters out you know what it's like when the, when you give when you give of yourself to other people and you serve and whether it's money or whether it's time and they say they're so grateful for you you know what that feels like there's no strings attached but imagine doing that and understanding the concept of Jesus in your life like I said before the church had great people that serve, but the church also have a lot of people that get burnt out serving. Where do you sit? If you're, you know, if you're in a place where you're serving and you're doing that, man, do that onto the Lord, please. Do that onto God first before you try to impress anybody else in this room. Because if you start trying to impress and feel pressure, it's not the right place to be in when you're serving. What about for those who are not serving? 
And I'm not only just talking about here in church, maybe just in general. I'm too busy or, um, you know, I'm, I'm too tired or you know, I have a lot of things on. Once again, start with Jesus. Have you ever thought to pray, God, I'm busy. God, I don't enjoy serving. I don't enjoy serving in the church, but I'm here. God, I, I don't know. I don't know what to do with my life, but I want to make an impact. And if it's to start in here to, to connect through serving as a community of people, then Lord, help me to start somewhere. You know, you can be a great servant for Jesus, yet not love him at all. That is a dangerous place for anyone who serves in the church. And you don't have a personal relationship with him. That's why I need to encourage you to find your relationship in Jesus so your impact for him means more than our selfish lives. And I want to see every Christian serving somewhere, <laughs> every believer, for the cause of Christ. The cause is too great. I mean, it's the, and the time is too short to have anyone on the sidelines. <laughs> Come on, man, don't be a bench warmer. Don't be the water boy. My mama said, my mom said, no. That's why I need to encourage you to find your relationship in Jesus first. Barnabas was a great man, as I finish. And people still talk about him today. We read him about him in the Bible. He, he's, he, his name pops up quite often during the book of Acts. But notice what we're talking about. We're not talking about the money that he made in real estate or business but it was about money he gave away. We're not talking about the, the people he climbed over or, or through to get to the top of his gains, but the people he helped and the people that he blessed. We're not talking about the companies that he built, but it was about the communities of people that he served that created the church. We're not talking about his success, but we're talking about the success of God in your life and what he wants to do to impact you when you understand having a servant heart after Jesus and looking to him as the example. So that's my challenge at where we are all at. Now, I didn't bring this to try and make force you to serve more and more in the church. Our church is an amazing place. I'm talking about this church now, not church in general. Every nation south side have some amazing people that serve. That's why I don't take it lightly. But I will push you to serve Jesus first. So then it'll filter down to everything else in your life, including your job, including your families, and then including the church. So know my heart, hear my heart, 
the importance of serving. If you're not serving anywhere in any capacity in this church or outside of the church, start here then. Let us help you to get into a rhythm of that. You're going to see our youth now. You're probably seeing them serve now, bits and pieces. We're about the next generation. You're going to probably experience new kind of songs that you may not like because it's for the next generation. Would we rather have them here loving God and enjoying the presence of God or being bored because church suits us? The generation that's, us is the old generation that's supposed to pass it on. So we're getting them to serve. You're going to see some of these kids up on stage. You're going to see them in the cafeteria. You're going to see them serving in, in the kids' ministry. Encourage them. Thank them. Bless them. Just say, man, you're doing an amazing job. What a great place to start in serving God is in the church. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for...